For centuries, they told us the terror would come from above. We've been looking the wrong way. Isn't that similar to another tagline we've had? I feel like it's similar. Oh, also the other one, Fear Underground. Also, this is Slashers, a podcast about movies and horror for those who love horror. My name is Jake, and with me, as most of the time, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Brian. Brian, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. What's up, buttfuckers? Wow, everybody's so crass nowadays. I haven't sworn yet, have I? I think I might have, actually. Whatever. Anyway, I'm looking at Chad, hoping that he'll give me an answer, because he used to be a producer, so he actually listened to the show, gave up on that. Now he's just sitting here smug with a poop-eating grin on his face. Hi. Now I'm looking at Jim, who's got his arms crossed because he's too cool. What's up, Jim? Hello, hello. See, that's the way it should be done, gentlemen. Fuck yeah. that shit. Yeah, see, Chad, you're a little too low-key. Brian, you're off the rails. This Drink some coffee. <laughs> and probably some schnapps. Am no. I right? Hey. So what's the deal with schnapps? As a guy who is never imbibed in stuff, why do everybody make fun of it? It's got flavor. It's got alcohol. I don't get the problem. I feel like that's something that teenage kids sneak from their parents' cabinets. So the parents drink it. So it's like an old person or young person? I I don't recall ever drinking it. I think it's like more like a liqueur than anything. There is no problem. I love fruity drinks. (sighs) When I used to drink. Isn't it a liqueur? Like something you add to other drinks? Something that you mix, I think. Right. So it's it's like triple sec. I, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's just me over here. I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I'm having like a conversation with myself here because <laughs> I'm talking to three guys that don't drink. So Jim drinks like a fish. Uh, what? What? Sorry. Well, that's true. What's funny is every place that I've lived with my wife, I've had Jim's alcohol in my house the entire time. Because <laughs> a housewarming party in my old apartment where you brought some rum and that stayed in the freezer the entire time. Then you took that rum and my housewarming party <laughs> for this house that we're in right now you left rum, I which I more. still have. <laughs> so I don't... <laughs> this is the kind of special relationship Jim and I have. I believe I am the one that introduced Jim into drinking the hard alcohol. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Brian basically ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, We buddy. talk about it every Tuesday night. Well, <laughs> Hi, my name's Jim Turn. <laughs> Hi, Jim Turn. <laughs> which ties in wonderfully with Dr. Sleep, which we've talked about. Oh, joy. But that's not what this episode is. This episode is Phantoms. By Dean, I was going to say the C word joke, but do I'm it. trying. Yeah. Oh, come on. You do it. Take credit for it. Well, you're just, uh, by Dean. Come on, Go. Uh, why can't I just say <laughs> What word is it again? <laughs> no, I don't want to say it. <laughs> come on. Dance, monkey. Dance. Yeah. So anyway, did you guys know that this film adaptation, the 1998 one, wasn't the first time it was planned? Actually, New World Pictures was going to be doing it before they filed for bankruptcy in 88 to 90. As there was a trade magazine that came out in 1989 that actually has a poster for it where it has the same Phantoms font as the original paperback, but it goes into like kind of a silhouette of a woman's face. So I feel like it would have been more species-like. If it would have been released earlier, could it have been done better? Practical effects. I actually don't mind the CGI in this. Like, it obviously is bad. You know, it looks practically like reboot for Christ's sake, but at least it's kind of visually interesting. Like it's ambitious. So I'll give it that. Like the little black puddles, not ambitious. Making <laughs> a giant millipede out of human forms that are like falling and writhing. Pretty good. Yeah. Well, yeah 1998. The black eyeballs. Just yeah. <laughs> for frame what? of reference, MySpace wasn't even around when this happened. So <laughs> when was such a time? Yeah. I'm still on my, I'm rocking it hardcore. <laughs> what was, what was Friendster around? I don't know. Let me uh, go back and check my Zanga 
and I'll see if I wrote about it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the, the last song that I had on my MySpace page that was playing. Oh, geez. Some say it's still playing to this day. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> well, I mean, it probably is. It's probably like My Chemical Romance or something. <laughs> you, you're a MyCam guy, aren't they coming back? Yeah. And I think that the, the Way Brothers are doing some soundtrack for something that Kevin Smith's working on. Some things should just be left buried. Gerard's doing that. Uh, uh, I like you on a the, first name basis. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I just listened to a podcast that he was on. Dustin Kintrews, Carry the Fire. He was on. Oh, very nice. Yeah. And they were talking about he does a comic book called The Umbrella Academy. Yeah. And then they turned it into a show. Yep. He does that like really heavily into the show. He also, if I'm not mistaken, he worked on Chowder and a couple other shows that were pretty rad. Chad, what do you have to say about Mike M? I have listened to a song from that. <laughs> Is it the Black Parade? Yes, there you go. Because <laughs> it was on the radio. Yeah, fair enough. So perfect. In terms of other trivia for this movie, there is not much. Nobody fucking cared about this movie when it came out. Nobody cares about it now. Our listenership is literally going to go into the hole because we did Marvel Zombies and people were like, fuck that. Then we did Yokai and people were like, what's that? And then we're going to do this. And people were like, still don't care. <laughs> the big thesis for this episode, because Chad and I have been talking about this since I recently read the book, was this book is so akin and similar to it that there is a significant, at least, influence from, that Stephen King had from this book because this book predates it. So let's go through the chronology, shall we? We have 83. This book comes out March of 83. Then we have it coming out in 86. Jim, I see you with that inquisitive look on your face. Are you going to ask me what came out in 1980 that might have influenced this book? No. Oh. <laughs> Chad, I see you with that inquisitive look on your face. Are you going to ask me what came out in 1980 that might have influenced this book? What? The what? Mist. <laughs> it wasn't its own book, but The Mist was in Dark Forces that came out in 1980. And it involves tentacles, hibernating monsters, a pterosaur-like creature that's kind of like the moth, a religious zealot and claims of, you know, divinity, the, the ancient enemy. You have people moving through sewers. You got creepiness, desolation. So people throw in shade, but it's cyclical. What predates all of this? Lovecraft. Actually, I was even going to go one step before, which would be John Carpenter's The Thing, which came out June 25th, 1982. So that's only nine months away from the time that this book was released. But my point is, at least in terms of polish, it could happen. It's probably the least likely influence, but I wanted to make sure it was out there because especially when it comes to the movie, you have a dog that shits out tentacles. And I'm like, oh, that's one for one. Yeah, Where have I seen that before? <laughs> yeah. There's also The Blob from 1958. There's a short story called Slime from 1958 by Joseph Payne Brennan. Then you have Snowfield which is the name of the town, is in Santa Mira County. Santa Mira was the town and invasion of the body snatchers. Then we get to the shape-shifting and probing abilities of the planetary creature in the 1961 Stanislav Lem novel Solaris. And then you finally get all the way back to H.P. Lovecraft. Am I pronouncing that right? That's Never heard of that guy. Louv. Sounds pretty good. So this whole thing is very interesting. There is a whole creature that people like freak the fuck out about that it's the same. Sorry. I can't even pronounce the name. It's so fucking hard. That's what she said. Nair Lothotep? Yep. That thing? Yeah. I read it and I'm like, I'm not even going to say that. I was I looking even, for a pronunciation. I couldn't find it. I don't even fucking know. But I saw something that associated that name with Cthulhu. I'm like, I know that name. 
That's because they're both ancient well, ones together. Right. So in oh, Phantoms... They're, they're considered like the other gods? Correct. Right, okay. So in the book, they even talk about there being other ancient enemies or whatever. So the similarities between this and Nyarlathotep are they're ancient shapeshifters. You have one that has this form of yellow slime, one that has the form of petroleum jelly, one takes the form of a bat-like creature, one takes the form of a moth-like creature, both suggest that they're not alone, and then one has an avatar, Abdul Al-Harzad, who writes the Necronomicon, whereas Nicholas Flight writes the book for the ancient enemy. So would a Wendigo be somewhere along the same lines as something like this? Wendigos and skinwalkers are the two that people correlate them to the most often. Interesting. Oh, yeah. So all this plagiarism being considered, I wanted to talk about this really interesting thing. There is an author, Pauline Dunn, who it was actually sisters Dawn Pauline Dunn and Susan Hartzell collaborated, and they created two books, The Crawling Dark and Demonic Color, the 1992. A homemaker, some housewife with no shit better to do, named Lizna Kuzminskzuk, reads them, and she's like, what the fuck? She freaks out, literally calls up the publisher for Dean Koontz, gets a hold of them, and Koontz hears what she has to say. She creates, I think it's a four-page, single-space document that she sends to him where it's like verbatim sentences, paragraphs, where it is just stolen work. <laughs> sends it, the publisher, G.P. Putnam & Sons, they write to the author, the whole thing... Isn't it crazy how once upon a time there wasn't the internet and you had to actually have somebody do all this fact-checking shit? And now you're like, wait, that sounds familiar. Let me just Google this. Ah, yep, there we you go. You don't even have to do that. Everything just gets ran through an algorithm and it's yeah. like, oh, that's a copy. That's a copy. Yeah. That's a copy. <laughs> Some guy posted on Reddit, and I think it made it to the front page, where basically it was like he submitted to turnitin.com and the first word of his sentence was the... And it marked it for plagiarism and flagged him. Literally. So chemistry class right now and everything we do, we turn in on turnitin.com. I've had the exact same thing. Like in the middle of a sentence, the word the gets picked up. And it's the only thing that's getting picked up in the middle of the sentence. And I'm like, <laughs> what the... F and on top of that, everybody's basically writing the same thing because it's all scientific and you're not. Nothing's original. We all did the same exact experiment. Unless somebody has a breakthrough. I'm getting like 50% <laughs> recognized on these damn papers. And I told, I literally talked to my teacher today about it. So it's funny that you bring it up. And he's like, oh yeah, I don't even worry about it. <laughs> Do you think people still pay people to write papers and shit for them? Yes. A hundred percent. Is that like, yep. is that still a thing? There's websites. That, oh yeah. And they're not, it's not like even hidden thing. They're not even that expensive either. Oh, oh not that he knows. into it, huh? <laughs> so shall we get into the statistics for this week before Jim incriminates himself and gets expelled? And ends up like Joel McHale in Community, which I've been re-watching, and it is delightful. It is. It's great. It starts off better than any other comedy I can think Maybe of. Maybe you should check out Peaky Blinders. Nah, it's too long. And okay. it's also not funny at all. <laughs> you coots. Ooh. Words can hurt. <laughs> so, the budget. I could not find a reliable source. Nope. Also, I wouldn't trust anything from Miramax. You know, Weinstein, awkward. It grossed a whopping $5,624,282. Damn! Wow. <laughs> We're talking... I feel like as far as looking at the numbers, when it translates to now, I think it was like 11 mil. So even that, nothing. Even to date, it's only made like Yeah, it's still million. very bad. It's still very, very <laughs> bad. What the numbers yeah, show? So it's 8,817,933. So it's less than doubled since 1998. Oh, man. 
Awkward. But if it was student loans, Jesus Christ, it'd be in the quintillions by now. <laughs> the competition, Spice World, yeah, the that's movie. Right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And the week after was Great Expectations. There is another film I wanted to address, which was Gods and Monsters, where Ian McKellen kisses Brendan Frazier's shoulders and stuff and puts him in a gas mask. I was not prepared oh, for that. As oh. an 11-year-old, I was like, what? I want to say, <laughs> what also, happened to George of the Jungle? <laughs> also around the same time, Half-Baked came out. So. Yeah. Abba Zabba, you my only friend. That's it. <laughs> Probably the only straight-edge guy who could quote 90% of that movie. You, fuck you, you're cool. <laughs> I always imagine doing that in, in like any of the workplaces that I've ever worked. Never happened, but in my mind, <laughs> I'm like total badass. I want to do the reverse of it, where one day I just fire like five people at the same time. I'd be like, fuck you, fuck you, I'm out. But then i like, no, but seriously, you guys have to get out of my building. <laughs> You're like, no, nah, I, I said I'm out because I got to go poop, but you guys are all fired. Yeah. <laughs> Raise your hand if you have a job. Whoa, 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 Tina. Not so fast. <laughs> so shall we talk about the runtime? 91 minutes. Still too long. <laughs> yep. It did. It yeah. felt long. It felt very long in the two. Do you consider that it's adapting a book down and trying to distill it? It was still like, Jesus, none of this matters. And yes. the, in the scene where they hear the helicopter and apparently it's like doing reconnaissance. I thought they, the helicopter was coming to save them and then the movie would end. He's like, it's infra then, infrared reconnaissance. Right, it was right. like 50 feet above their head. Exactly. <laughs> and then and then the helicopter flew away and then the movie proceeded for like another 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you think it's a cavalry and you're like, fuck, man. <laughs> so it was directed by Joe Chappelle, who is best known for directing Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Not, not so much. That's definitely not one of my favorites. Yeah, and if you look at the rest of his career, not one of my favorite careers either. <laughs> the Skulls 2, anyone? CSI Ooh. Miami? Fringe? Anything? The Wire? I've never actually watched The Wire, but I've heard good things. So maybe that's the one stellar part of his career. Hey, Jake, who is it written by? Dean Ray Kuntza. <laughs> I found out what the R was. It was bothering me that on IMDb of all places, it was the only place where I saw Dean R. Kuntz. And so I was like, what? That has to be something good. And it's basically the letter R. <laughs> Did you know he wrote an episode of Chips under the pseudonym Brian Coffee? Oh, no. <laughs> chips. Nothing? I got nothing. What is Chips? The cop motorcycle what? team. Eric Estrada? Uh-uh. Where he's wearing a helmet on top of his hair that looks like a helmet? Oh, I feel like I watched Gilligan's Island. I didn't pay attention to anything else. Didn't write any episodes of that, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, he should have. But the women are prettier in Gilligan's Island. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're there. The red would you Would you bang Mrs. Howell? All of them. <laughs> At the same time? Yeah. Mary, fuck, kill. Mrs. Howell, Ginger, Marianne, go. Does she have the money still? Yep. <laughs> well, then I'm marrying her. But you're on an island. <laughs> oh, well then, no. Money's useless. See, that's the thing. Oh. I guess I kill her. I probably you would marry the redhead. Yeah, you I would. would. <laughs> <laughs> I have on. the type. <laughs> so Brian, since you're such a fan of the show, marry, fuck, kill Gilligan, the skipper, and this professor. Go. <laughs> uh, fuck the professor for sure, dude. He's so handsome. I'm not <laughs> even gonna is, lie about it. I might even marry handsome. him because he he I wanted to do some experiments in bed. You know what I'm saying? Oh hell yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, there's a little spot right. Oh. He'd, yeah, he'd make an orgasm machine out of yeah, two coconuts. Right? <laughs> I feel like I would marry um, the big guy. I'd choose a cuddle bug. Yeah. You'd kill Gilligan? I'd kill Gilligan. You're a fucking cruel <laughs> monster. Dude, I'd be putting him out of his misery, and he'd, he'd be happy for it. 
everybody would be happy for it. Gilligan's pretty much a slave anyway, though. So. All right, Jim, this is the hard one. Marry, fuck, kill. And it's going to be guests on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> All right? God. <laughs> so it'll be... Weren't the Harlem Globetrotters on an episode? <laughs> Am I making that up? I think you're thinking of Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure Harlem Globetrotters. Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island. Boom. <laughs> I found it. It's on Wikipedia. So Mary fuck kill the cast of the Harlem Globetrotters in 1981. Come on, you obviously have this committed to memory. Don't don't stonewall <laughs> so me. Are, are you suggesting he <laughs> marries and then fucks and then kills all the same like cast? No, I'm asking him to Wait, spin, how many people it. are on the team. Uh, I don't. <laughs> and how would five? he know? And I've seen them. I think the Jimmy's the one that's going to get fucked. <laughs> oh no! Actually, Ouch. Scatman Crothers was on that episode. How weird! He played Dewey Stevens. I mean, Jim's gimp suit would definitely go into effect. <laughs> would it be red, white, and blue? <laughs> oh, he'll, they'll make you whistle, boy. <laughs> it's so. like rubber latex. They just roll them up like a basketball. <laughs> or fruit leather. <laughs> yeah. Yum. So it was written by Dean Ray Coons, and he didn't know what he was doing when it came to screenwriting. And you can tell. Like, they consol- <laughs> it is so bad. He consolidates a lot of stuff, but he still thinks that like people will say out loud shit that'll sound cool. And you're like, that doesn't sound cool at all. That sounds bad. Yes, very bad. So apparently when Koontz was a young writer, he and his wife had like a bargain where she would put like support him financially for a year. And it, then if he didn't make it, that he would quit writing. But he made it and then he supported them for the rest of their lives. They were married in 1966. But instead of posting pictures of he and his wife in his book <laughs> sleeves, it's he and his dogs. Yep. Awkward. <laughs> he was once a high school teacher, much like our homeboy, Wes Craven, Wesley Earl Craven. And then my last note on Mr. Koontz is he was the executive producer of this film. I don't know what executive producers do. Sometimes you hear about people who are like super involved in everything. And sometimes it's like a ceremonial thing. I think this is definitely more ceremonial. Considering his name appears in the opening credits two separate times. Might not be. I think it's three separate times, actually. I mean, with how it turned out. Oh, yeah. It looks bad. It looks worse than that show Eureka on (laughs) (laughs) sci-fi. It has like this weird frosty kind of look to it and I don't know it looks like a soap opera but bad yes I I compared it to Gilmore Girls with my wife because I compared it to that when I did Thanksgiving too and she was like how dare you and then she was like actually kind (laughs) of especially with the friggin town pieces that impersonation is pretty spot on I like it I'm pretty well (laughs) I'm pretty well hearsed in it rehearsed hearsed I'm dead what anyway (laughs) the music was by David C. Williams the only reason I threw him in there is because he did No Way Back back in 1995. And as you can tell by the sweet cover that I put on the notes, <laughs> you have Russell Crowe with a fucking sweet ass bowl cut. And those <laughs> jeans, though, they look like they're about to rip off his legs. And if they're not going to rip off naturally, you'll rip them off with your teeth. Well, Mary fuck, kill Russell Crowe, David C. Williams and Russell Crowe's pants. <laughs> <laughs> All Russell Crowe's pants. Thank you. Awesome. Makeup by Howard Berger, Bob's Burger. Yep. Special effects makeup supervisor. Did quite a few different movies. They're yeah, pretty big fucking ones. good. You got Reservoir Dogs, Army of Darkness, Pulp Fiction, Casino, From Dust Till Dawn, Scream, Scream 2. Uh, apparently, he has over 180 makeup department credits. He won an Oscar for The Chronicles of Narnia. Wow. So, knows the shit. I'm impressed. Yeah. Considering he's like, well, I guess I'll take 
time off from doing like legit movies and do this. <laughs> he was like, what's our budget? I can work with it. <laughs> we'll figure this out. Are we ready to do nicknames? Nicknames. Prick name. Absolutely. Let's get into it. So one quick thing that I really wanted to touch on, just because I don't know if you guys caught on to it, the budget and everything for this movie, this movie was fucking doomed. We didn't talk about it very much during the competition, but like Titanic was still in theaters. So there was no way this movie was ever going to work. Right. So just as a forewarning, like we're speaking down of it, like even if you're sentimental about it, you probably develop that sentimentality like 20 years later because you watch Jay and Silent Bob strike back and they're like, yeah, it's like, what's the problem with it? But no, <laughs> nobody at the time was like, this movie's great. Roger Ebert gave it one quarter of a star, if I'm not mistaken. So just bear that in mind. We're going to make fun of your favorite movie. Or if you don't like this movie, just join We're it. making fun right. of a bad movie. So yes. Peter O'Toole as Dr. Timothy Flight. Brian found out his middle name, which yeah. I thought was O, but it's actually not. It's actually Seamus. So... I feel like we should call him Seamus. Anybody whose <laughs> middle name is Seamus, that's what you should go by. I was going to call him Peter's A-Tool. <laughs> well, that also works. What do you think, Jim? What do you got for him? Mr. Science Man. Yeah, right? I didn't get anything from him. Okay. Okay. I just well, I I wrote what movies is in. I was going to call him Troy or something, but... Okay. Sure. How about we could I call, like Seamus, though. We can call him the Wee Baby Seamus. Wee, Wee Baby Seamus. <laughs> I like it. Rose McGowan as Lisa Paley. She is bland as fuck in this movie. Mm-hmm. This is at the height of her popularity. She just got murdered in Scream with the garage door, and then she does this movie, and I'm like, oh, stop talking every time. <laughs> you got anything for her, Jimbo? You got anything for her, Chadzo? Bored. That's how every time she used to talk, that's all I was. Yeah. So. I wanted works. to call her Joe Camel, but bored is fine. We got Joanna going, going, gone as Jennifer <laughs> Paley, MD. Yeah, this is where I'll take over. I, for one, thought immediately when I saw her, I was like, oh, Alyssa Milano's in this. And then I had a second glance. Nope, yeah. it's not her. So Definitely. I was going to call her poor man's <laughs> Alyssa Milano. I, I like totally that. get that. Or not Alyssa Milano. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, we can call her Nam for short. Nam, I like it. We got Lee Shriver, the best thing that happened in Wolverine Origins when he was Sabretooth. He was he's also a, in Scream, right? He's been a bunch of things. But yeah, he's caught weary in Scream. That's right. Goon. What? Yeah. He's yeah. awesome in Goon. Yeah. That fucking mustache and that mullet. Oof. But he's in a bunch of good movies. He's like, definitely... Have you seen Defiance with uh, Daniel Craig and him? Yeah. Like, the Jews in the forest? Super It's really good. good. He's definitely believable in Goon. Oh, right? Yeah. Like, it's not something where you're like, who is this fucking weird actor trying to portray some crazy hockey player. Like, no, I, I really believed it. What about a show? What's the show he's on? Ray Donovan. There you go. I it, haven't seen it yet, but I actually really want to. Watching uh, his interview for Phantoms, like back in the day, he talks about how much money he spent on acting school. And he's like, but sometimes you got to do movies like this. Uh, that's so <laughs> good. That's great. <laughs> Way to go, bud. Yeah. I'm mad at it. He's definitely right. So I, I was going to call him Deputy Creepy. Anybody? Anything I don't else? mind that at all. Yeah, that works. Next, we have good old Ben Affleck as Sheriff Bryce. Ugh. What was uh, what was the one you got for him, Jim? I had said Batfleck. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I was going to call him Pompous because of his stupid hair. Yeah. But yeah, Batfleck works too. I always like Batfleck. I have a shirt that has like the Bat logo with the strike through it from before he was Batman. I, funny thing, I don't mind him as Batman. No, he's great. No, I didn't mind it at all. He had the best suit. Inarguably, that's the best Batman suit I've ever seen. And he's just not bad. You don't he's like weird. Wait, you don't like George Clooney in the cockpiece? Codpiece. 
Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah, he has uh, the bat nipples, which is great. But yeah, I, I definitely have to go with that. It looks nar- It looks like a comic book. It's awesome. It's the only one that's ever looked like the comic. Everything else is like, because you have Michael Keaton, who has that awesome breastplate. You have Christian Bale, where he's got like Iron Man type abs with like the interlocking metal Kevlar, whatever. Yeah, Val Kilmer. Which is basically just the Keaton outfit yep. over again. Adam West's is fine, but he doesn't look great. I love Batman with the gray and blue. That is probably my favorite color scheme for him. So as his interior designer, I'm gonna <laughs> we're gonna take away this penny. We're gonna take away this giant T-Rex. Blue, gray, drab. It's gone. <laughs> Batflick it is. All right. Next, Nikki Cat as deputy. Uh, who gives a fuck? I, I honestly didn't who have are all these people. Yeah. Anybody else? They Everyone have, else. Died. There's so many different names for these scientists that got killed instantly within the film. You're like, I get it. You want to give them credit, but mm, you're just a white suit. Like, right. Exactly. Fuck white people. Wow. <laughs> we're doing it, huh? Yeah. No, Dude, we're not. <laughs> I love it. I, I've absolutely loved trolling people who think that I'm like somebody of a different ethnicity while talking trash on white people and trying to square. Did I tell you about when I was in law school, I used the term honky and my white ass professor was like, you can't say that. I was like, yes, I can. Because I just did. <laughs> First Amendment. You ever heard of it? Fair enough. That's why you're teaching civil procedure and not fucking constitutional law. Am I right? Come on, Jimbo. Is that law joke? I don't get it. I was like... <laughs> Dear cricket in here. What's, What's an amendment? <laughs> Jim, do you want to do the recapitation for this week? Or no, Chad, do you want to do the recapitation for this week? <laughs> Jim's sure. like, fuck you. I guess I'm not going to do well, it. He's going to do the slay by play. Do the I, do I was going to edit this all out, but now that charming little laugh of yours, I have to leave this bullshit in. <laughs> I always imagine when you laugh that somebody's like sitting on a train, like I hate my life, and then they hear your, <laughs> they're like, oh, is that how oh, it sounds? Yeah, to me. You have to bear in mind, I've heard all of you speak way more than even your significant others because I have to edit this fucking show. <laughs> so anytime one of you guys want to take over, by all means, you can criticize my lap, dog. Knuckles. Still got him to fist bump even though he's glaring at me. Chad, what's up with the recapitation, dog? So, sisters hang out. <laughs> no, two sisters that have not seen each other in a very long time move up into the... Mountains, because her mom died, or their mom died. Not whatever. in the goddamn movie. Or did oh, they? that's right. Or Talking about they? your stupid that's booklet. That's the book, which is so much better. Anyway, they get to the town. The so town's much all gone dead. So what is it? You said so much better. It's better, but is it so much better? It is so much better. Whoa, than the check movie. your emphasis on this. Okay. Anyway, they get to the town. Everyone's missing, and body parts are left randomly. Then they start getting attacked. Sheriffs. Show up, whatever, ancient demon enemy thing, creature, underground, and that's pretty much the movie. Also, FYI, it's going to be very hard for me throughout this episode not to refer to it as ancient aliens. So if I make that mistake, just let me leave it. (laughs) Yeah. Have you seen the progression of that dude's hair? Well, like the first season of Ancient Aliens, he's completely normal. And then by the end of it, he looks like a goddamn peacock. Do you think think at first he was super offended by all the memes and then he just kind of embraced it? You have to. Right? You're like, ah, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. Let's just keep it going. Yeah. Let's ride it till the wheels fall I mean, off. Unfortunately, not a lot of people that are, I guess, victims of memes can can ride the wave like he has. Yeah. A true. lot of them are probably very emotionally <laughs> unstable. 
right? Well, yeah, that Star guy Wars who, kid. Well, the the gal who mm. did the uh, over obsessed girlfriend, she quit doing YouTube videos because it like really impacted her mental health. Oh, really? So basically, don't meme us because we're like sensitive AF dog. No, no, meme everything. I'm all for <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> all you right. can meme the fuck out of me. That's cool. Keep it in the, your pants, there, bud. Coming <laughs> off a little thirsty. Whatever. <laughs> so this is Jim's turn to. All right, say by play. So the movie opens with the two sisters, Bored and Nam. <laughs> <laughs> they're driving through the mountains and they're going home and they're talking about Bored is the younger one and she wants to basically get away from her mom. More like Horde. Actually, Am I right? <laughs> slow there. Jesus. The, <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry to our female <laughs> listeners of which overpower the men. <sighs> so the older sister, not Alyssa Milano, Basically picked up her sister because she was worried about her staying with her mom. And th- so they're driving to the mountain town and they're going through the town. And it looks deserted. Everything's super quiet. It's like, is it always this quiet? And so they get to their home. They walk in and there's food on the stove. And they're like, where's the housekeeper? <laughs> and they don't see her. And then they come around the counter and she's dead on the floor. Yeah, I like that the food isn't like burned. It shows this just happened. Like it's boiling over for sure, but it's not like this happened hours ago. And in the book, they do a really good job of constantly reiterating this happened like a blitzkrieg. They kind of imply it with the, I think it's a Honda Civic that's got its engine going. You see the exhaust? Yeah, she even mentioned like, oh, it was just running. Yeah, which I loved because I was like, it's been running for a while. You didn't like gas? Did Did you think it maybe ran out of gas? That was a weird one. But other than that, Chad, because you've read the book, do you think they did a good job of at least very briefly showing that this happened quickly? Or did you feel like they could have done more to make people realize the gravity of what happened? I feel like they could have done more. Yeah. Easy. But it's not bad. But I mean, this right. is like, I'm, I honestly wonder if the shortcomings of this movie are budgetary predominantly or if it's just like not going to work. Like if it was doomed just because of the visual representation being so hard to do or if it's just like, they didn't get creative because they're like, oh, shit, we have three days to film. I'm not going to film an empty car. It's the dialogue and acting that I makes feel like it so there's, bad. <laughs> there's weird things that happen within the film where they could have added things and then taken away things at the same time. Yeah. Where it comes to why is the car's engine smashed? Does that have anything to do with the monster? Does it need to ingest anything that has to do with the engines? Is that why all the cars are turning off? Nobody knows. Well, why did they even yeah. lift up the hood? It doesn't. Who cares? It's super inconsistent throughout the book. And that's something that we talked about before going on the air. Like everything about it is you have, you know, dismemberment. You have bloated dead bodies. You have eaten dead bodies. You have being able to use technology. You have not uh, like using a sewer to get around. I mean, it's you all have a dog. <laughs> well, and then also like, it, you know, you even get a glimpse <laughs> into the consciousness of animals that get killed as are killed by the it, the phantoms. Oh, yeah, in the book, too. Right. That's a, a sad scene. The fox. The fox. Yeah. Yep. I still remember that, and I read this book like a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> or like three books since then, and I still remember that goddamn fox. I'm glad I didn't read that. Fox. probably cry. <laughs> Pretty bad. But then you get to see a biker's dick later, so, I mean, it comes it comes. Wait, out you wash. see a biker's dick? In the, not in the movie, but in the book. In the book. In your mind's eye. Yeah, dude. <laughs> It's and a I weird it big. <laughs> Is it girthy? Is it yeah, substantial? Totally yeah. I'm it's, like, it's a face slapper. <laughs> it was sure. stubby, but it was thick. <laughs> like, you know those like cans of V8, how they're like different than a soda can? Yeah. It's like that with a head on it. I'm impressed. Yeah, it's I'm like not, if you were whipped across the face, it'd at least hit you in the ear. 
<laughs> but it would like hurt. It wouldn't yeah, like yeah. slap. It would like thud. What yeah. was the biker's name? Dix oh. McGillicuddy. <laughs> I got to get a visual here, and you're not helping. <laughs> a, a throwback to Fisty McFisterson. <laughs> oh, okay, that makes sense. So they get to the house and they see the housekeeper dead. She's kind of got like rigor mortis going hardcore. She got varicose all up on that body. Yeah, cool. purple veins. Really gross looking. I think, was she like gooey too? A little bit, that... but not as much as the deputy. The, the deputy was really gooey. So He's ectoplasmic. Yeah, so they're freaking out. They try to phone, doesn't work. They go to the car, doesn't start. So they get the idea to go to the police station. So they walk, walking through town. They get there and the cop, the sheriff is dead on the ground. And so he's got purple veins too, but also really gooey. Um, they mentioned that he got off three rounds because there's some some shell casings on the ground, but there's no blood anywhere. And the reasoning was, oh, well, he's trained to, to shoot things, so he must have hit it, right? <laughs> and there's no blood. So what could it be? <laughs> and so they decide to raid the shotguns. But they only grab one gun. They only grab one gun. Drove me crazy. And you gotta love that the sister, the older sister, not Alyssa Milano, takes the gun, even though she has no idea how to use it, and the younger sister, Bored, doesn't use the gun, even though she knows how to load it. And Yeah, not, not Alyssa Milano essentially grabs the shotgun. She's like staring at down the barrel as she's like, I don't know how to work this. And you're like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> PH dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and her reasoning for knowing how to use the shotgun was, see, LA's good for something. Da, 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 da. You totally see people with shotguns around LA. Right? <laughs> Come on, dog. Get me an Uzi and a Beretta. Bada bada. John Woo film. Have some doves fly out from behind me. Bada da. It was a firefight. That's what I do every time I walk through downtown. I Such hated a good that movie. movie. How dare <laughs> you? How dare you? Well, which one? I mix like four movies right there. You realize? Boondock Saints. Yeah, I was oh, talking about John Woo. Okay, Boondock Saints. I like. Which one did you say you didn't like? I thought you were actually <laughs> referring to a. Uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio remake oh, Ro- of uh, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, God. I was like, I hated that movie. <laughs> Capulets. No, no. I'm talking about John Woo films, which I think are, I'll say 80% amazing. Yeah. Did it bother you and drive you crazy that the intro is basically the intro for The Shining when they were doing the scenic shots and it was just bad? It, yeah, it really is, huh? And it distracted you that she used a car phone that had a cord. <laughs> It distracted me that she was about to light up a cigarette. Like, how the fuck? How old are you? Yeah, in the book, she's like 14, mm. which makes the whole Stu Wargle thing way worse. Yes, and they definitely focus on that. <laughs> in the well, they, because why wouldn't they? Yeah. In the movie, did they even establish that she's... Are you guys sure this isn't written by Stephen King? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> they didn't talk about her nipples enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But McGowan, at the time of filming this, was 25. The older sister was 35. So, but the amount of sexual creepiness within the well, book? it still applies. You could yeah. be a, a legal adult and be creepified by Stu Wargle. He <laughs> <laughs> wants you to wargle on his schlongle. <laughs> you sound like a murloc. <laughs> <laughs> so they decide to go to a friend's shop around the corner. Jacob and Anna. Apparently, they're always there, right? Yeah, they're still there now. <laughs> Haunting the oven. <laughs> so as they're walking up around the back, there's actually actually some cool shots like going around the back with the gate and stuff. Yeah, that you, little alcove. Yeah, so that was nicely done. But they go around the back and uh, the lights start to dim and there's like a walk, a path that they walk under and something clearly goes un- over them. 
it's all shaky and stuff, and they make it inside. Now that in the book is interesting because that's where your first encounter is with the ancient enemy. And so there's something very specifically that's going along the top and down the bottom on the side. So think of like top left, bottom right. And that's where they're like, what's happening? And that's what causes them to be afraid. I get budget, whatever. And also it's a visual medium. So you can't use the other cues. Like imagine going to a movie and just seeing a black screen and hearing right. sound. So I thought this was an effective way of getting it done. If, if anything, what I really like about this film is how quickly they moved into things happening people getting killed right right yes. it wasn't 35 40 minutes of build up that's identical to the book yeah the book is great as far as your establishing scene it's them in the car and as soon as they get home that lady's dead okay. and they, like, the the structure of this film is very very similar to the book they just consolidate a certain thing right so like as opposed to for instance using the diocin 17 or whatever in that they have to order it and then in the movie they just have it they or they order it they literally order it they, and it comes flowing yeah in. they have to actually trick the ancient enemy to allow them to do more testing and she like gives a code to her nerdy friends that are outside and they then then they're like we solved it here's your equipment that you need and it's really just the chemical huh and some sprayers yeah and sprayers so basically think john goodman from arachnophobia yeah that's basically what the mental image i had while reading the book yeah that's awesome so go ahead jim so I derailed you enough. You can move on yeah. to your next point. They go into the shop and they find some hands cut off on the floor with a roller. Who's or was hands? It on the counter? Counter. What are they doing there? Why are they cut off? I have so many questions. <laughs> Nobody <I> know. knows. <laughs> this is my big argument is like the inconsistency. In the book, there is a guy, Kale, who is a murderer. And it would have made sense even in the book if the mutilating murderer would have been eaten by the creature. And then that's where it gets this malicious flair for the theatric it makes literally no sense in any way i've looked at this why there are two heads in an oh sorry spoiler two heads in an oven and two hands on a counter i don't understand chad reconcile this for me <laughs> i look at it as in the book it starts getting into the intelligence of the creature and the more people it eats the more like intelligence and it receives. Does it does it think to itself, okay, well, a lot of people would think this is going to terrify them, so I'm going to do it, therefore? Yeah. They talk about it a lot where it's trying to scare people. It thinks itself as the actual god slash devil where he's actually inducing fear and he's kind of like playing with his food is kind of like what happens. Yeah, but does it frustrate you at all that you don't see that person who has that fear? I feel like if it if you even establish there was one person who was into like true crime, you justify it, right? Right. Or if they watch, or if or if there was a person who was watching a horror film and then it digests them, and I then like it's that like, a lot. Boom! Right. Now I'm going to start having people getting killed in precarious ways and having all this excess gore because that makes sense because it's fresh on their mind. Right. I mean, that would definitely help move it along in that area. But yeah, from like what I take from it you have to look a lot deeper than the book actually provides. Essentially, what I got from this is we need to have some sort of shock and gore factor to this movie. Otherwise, we just have a bunch of people that look like they died from this random disease that have veins showing on right. their skin. And so in the book, you kind of get the feeling that the ancient enemy actually did eat somebody that maybe you know was like a serial killer or something only because the creepy cop 
it comes back, you know, dead and then like kind of with tries, his dick hanging out. Yeah, he tries to rape the girl pretty much in the bathroom with his dick hanging out. And oh, that's Deputy that's kind of what you do. Like, so he's obviously using the fear and the memories from the one person. And they're showing that that's how he does evolve and grow and think. So he does take those memories and then pushes that fear onto the girl. Do you think the head should have been a little charred? Yes, they've been in the oven for the 14 hours. I was just, I mean... <laughs> Actually, it hasn't been 14 hours. That's the point, is that because it, just it, dings, it just got ready. I I will say I do love the little splatter of blood on the pumpkin pie, and then the heads fall out. <laughs> You're like, ew, that's gross. Oh, my God! There's also not supposed to be any slime on the bodies. Mm-mm. Not in the book. It's supposed to be water. Yep, lots of water. Yes. For... Because of the digestion process and everything yes. and the way it gets uh, around. It's like when it comes out of the sewers and whatnot and then it, what it, it's sucking out the stuff of the people, it purifies everything and distills them so it leaves the water behind and leaves yeah. the metal behind because it's indigestible. It basically yeah. sucks all nutrients out of everything and then just leaves water. So it's like perfectly sterile water. You're just supposed to know that when watching this film. Well, they use like the slime obviously because <laughs> it's like way more visual. Yeah. But it's also, alien. yeah. And even the people that are like dead, they're not supposed to look like diseased. They're supposed to look perfectly fine except for bruising because it, it doesn't actually like infect them. It just squeezes them till they die. Huh. So yeah, there you go. All right. So they're in there and we're talking about cake. So the timer goes off and they're like, it's just a bun cake. It's just <laughs> a bun cake and it opens up and it's a cake and the blood drips down and then the heads fall. There should have been more blood, really. Two decapitated heads. Oh, yeah. Just one or two little drops of blood. I agree. Yeah, well, wasn't so, in the budget. So after that, the the phone rings, and without even answering it, just there's some like weird sounds. Kind of sounds like voices, but like distorted coming through. What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> <laughs> Not this one. Yeah, and you have multiple <laughs> actors from that in this. So. Right. Yeah. right. And so they go, they decide to leave. Or do they run? A scamper. Well, did you scamper. talk? Uh, well, what happens with the phone? Well, yeah. So the voice, the noises, comes, and the voices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The voices yeah, come the through. Voices. Then, yeah, definitely watch this movie with the subtitles on, because it's like, uh, it's not English, and it clearly says like muttering. And it's like uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. I hope I got you guys into subtitles because I feel like I'm getting everybody into subtitles. Oh, I did. You always have watched yeah. stuff with subtitles. Oh. Once your kids go to sleep, oh you have to God. turn them on. <laughs> I always have subtitles on. As soon as I started living, uh, I think I've watched basically everything with subtitles since I was in law school. Oh, really? Because the only time I'd have to like watch shit would be when everybody else was asleep, and so I'd either do that, and then you know you have to have one ear butt in with porn, and then how do you follow what's going on, <laughs> on the TV show? Subtitles. Once upon a time. Michelle was like, Brian, let's just throw on subtitles. So just, I can't hear everything all the time. I'm like, you're so fucking old, whatever. Let's do it. And now I'm just like, huh? Can we just throw the <laughs> subtitles on, please? That, that would be great. So next is we have the two girls walking down the hallway. They're trying to get away from the kitchen area. And the lights are dim and you see somebody walking behind them. And they walk into a room and the lights come on and it's all the sheriffs. Do you think it was Deputy Creepy behind them? Or was he in the room? He enters the room from a different angle. He's in the, like the hallway area. So it was him. I don't think it's him. I think it's the alien. Oh, or you the, think it's alien? Stalking the prey. See, I told you I would do it. There's yeah. a first alien. We didn't say anything, but you corrected yourself. Though. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was one of the sheriffs behind them. Sure. The other guy. But, oh, yeah, with the, the pedo mustache. That's yeah. the trick. You think that the pedo's going to be the guy with the mustache. <laughs> it's not. Maybe they both are. Who knows? Yeah, so, the, the, so they run into the sheriffs and... 
they deputy creepy and batfleck and another guy pedo stash yes. <laughs> And this is where, and then Deputy Creepy uh, cuts back to him. He's he's looking at the heads in the the oven. And he's kind of smirking and laughing about it. Like, yeah, you definitely feel <laughs> like something's going on with this guy. Yeah. He's not all there. I, this is the first time I'd seen the film, and I was thinking that he was an alien right off the bat. I'm like, <laughs> okay, he's he's definitely not like the other deputies, right? Yeah, yeah. and his weirdness just ramps up. Just yeah, exactly. Uh, all the officers and the girls are in the room talking about what to do. And the lights start dimming and they just come back on. Nothing really happens. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And Deputy Creepy is pissing off Batfleck. And Batfleck kind of gets like gets up in his face and chokes him. Which is nuts. He goes like from zero to 60. In right. the book, they show like it ramps up. Where first it's a comment here and then it's a comment there. But the, like the way that Stu Wargle is described in the book, he's like Eckhart from Batman 1989. You know what I'm talking about? The fat guy who's like the crooked ass cop with, yeah, the, right, okay. with the big double chin. So Got the whole it. time I'm reading the book, I'm thinking of that for the guy. So, you know, you have Cotton Weary on this side who's like sleek and looks good. Would leave Schreiber like, oh, this is so different, but he has a really great job of being lurid, which is important. Can I derail for one second and talk about Eckhart? Because I'm a big Batman fan. We know this, right? So I was like, oh, yeah, what was that actor's name? Never even knew. His name was William Hootkins. William Hootkins has probably the nerdiest, best career ever. Check this out. Star Wars A New Hope, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Flash Gordon, Steam Boy, The Evil Dead video game, and Superman 4. On top of, of course, Batman 1989. Hmm. Fuck, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> You're not as excited as I expected. <laughs> well, go ahead and move on. All right, so they decide to leave, and they're walking down the street, in the middle of the street, and this is where the officers are all talking to each other about their background and how Batfleck used to be FBI. So what is he doing here? And he went to Harvard. And he went to Harvard. Color me impressed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Must have used that scholarship from the Wayne Foundation. So as they're walking down, there's a, a shrill whistle starts blowing and alarms and sirens start going off. Lights are flashing. And then... Everything goes off. Lights go off. It's completely black. Why? This, I well, know this is well, this is this is why. And then everything was off except for the inn. The lights at the inn were still on. So it was like trying to get them all so to go. Drawing the attention drawing to them the to the inn. So Deputy Creepy runs off to the inn, and Batflex stops him, and he's like, "Are you okay? Like I just choked you out, but are you okay? Yeah, I really care, Man, bro to bro, <laughs> like bros fight, but still, bro." But what's crazy is like right before all the horns and everything go off, they comment like, oh, I don't even hear barking or like any birds or any sounds, which is, true again, true to the book. Uh, but I don't think they do a, as good a job in the movie of making it seem as like cacophonous. It's right. just like mildly annoying. But in the book, it's like frantic and they basically flee, which, you know, again, like, it, it's something where I don't think that there's you could do that with a small budget. You could just right. edit it better and shoot it more tight. But in this, I get that you're trying to make it look barren, but it just looks weird. How funny is it that they're like, well, you don't even hear a dog or anything. And then later on, oh, hello, dog. What? <laughs> you somehow made it. Sweet. What's up, dog? No question. I trust you entirely. <laughs> that actually goes to a Dean Kuntz quote, if you'd like to hear it. One of the greatest gifts we receive from dogs is the tenderness they evoke from us. But after watching this movie, every time I see a goddamn Labrador, I'm going to kick it in the snout. <laughs> <laughs> Pah! 
I'm going to start rubbing it on his back and being like, there are some weird bumps there. You're a fucking alien. <laughs> Just go straight for it. I'm going to get some Biosyn 12 or whatever the hell it is and squirt you. <laughs> it's in the goddamn movie. It's oh. what they used to kill the thing. That's what? an actual compound, right? Yep. Yes. Created by an Indian uh, geneticist or engineer. And if I remember correctly, I did a little bit of research. He actually tried to put a patent on it and they denied it. Yeah, they actually talk about and it in the book. They go into oh, great really? detail in the book. In the, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, like they're like, nah, fuck you, dude. You can't put a patent on some on like, a living organism. He's like, uh, f- what? What yeah. about all these other patents? Yeah. But I think in the book, they said that they later gave him he the patent it. because he does get it. it is a genetic or it's like a created it's, compound. Exactly. Yeah, it's GMO. It's just like yeah. the first GMO patent. But they give him all the credit, but then meanwhile, he created it, but it could only live in very specific conditions. So he's not the one who made it like basically weaponized or whatever. Other people had to come in and make it so they could live outside. Well, I feel like what he did differently compared to what was already out there was he some, I th- was it something like he like hot flash the, or not hot flash, I don't know what the term is, but like he heated up the substance to a point where it merged with the other specimens because for some reason they were all attacking each other when it would they would ins- insert it into the oil. But if you heat it up to a certain temperature, they all kind of cohesed cohesively I guess came together and attacked the, the oil hmm. if that makes any sense or I'm just making all this shit up but. maybe a little bit of both <laughs> <laughs> hey so they're obviously being led to the inn so they get there and they're checking out the room seeing who's what rooms were booked and stuff and this is where Deputy Creepy starts talking to uh, Batfleck again he's like where do you want to start Chief He's acting really weird again. And uh, music starts playing from upstairs. Patsy Klein, I fall to pieces. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is it Patsy Klein, I fall to pieces? Is there something, is there an eph- emphasis or is there related to anything in the book? Do they play that in the book? Yeah. Well, I don't. it's music in the book. It's music. But but I think I that it fits yeah. here because the pieces being that they're different like drones and stuff. I, that's what I took it as. It's a huge entity that's basically bigger than the town underneath it. But then it's a very specific little things that go out there. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And also, it's been dismembering people by this point, so. Yeah. Hands, heads. Your one-stop shop. (laughs) (laughs) If you chop till they drop, get them up. Heads not on top. Let's kill some cops. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Cop killer over here. Body count. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean. (laughs) So they decide. Uh, FYI, don't listen to this show if you're being pulled over by the police for speeding. (laughs) Fuck the police. Fuck the police. Never mind. (laughs) <laughs> Listen to some NWA over here. Sorry. So Batfleck and Creepy go upstairs to investigate the music, and Batfleck is opening the door in one of the closet in one of the rooms. He hallucinates a kid pointing a gun at him because the kid thinks he's R. Kelly. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> How about that? I up the stakes. <laughs> talking about cop killing over here. I'm talking about PP man. <laughs> well, yeah. Definitely did some of that. What do you got, Jim? Could you recover from PP men? <laughs> yes. So Creepy Stew is... Creepy Stew, I like Creepy Stew is in the next room over, and there's a dead woman on the bed. And who he's getting... is? $15. The first person who can name this beautiful horror fiend scream queen without looking at my notes. I got nothing. 
Linear Quigley. God damn you. Did you really do it? Yeah. I didn't. I had no idea. I just, I swear to God, you want to look at my notes? I don't care. Since when do you know who Linnea Quigley is? Well, we saw her at Midsummer Scream. Fuck. And then the movie that I recommended that uh, Johnny recommended us watch earlier. Night of Demons. I was looking yeah. it up and she's in it too. Yep. So I just threw it out there because she's the only person I'd ever know. For Jesus Christ. Uh, what just, are the odd, that well, she's been person. in so many horror movies. Right. That, yeah, I was going to say, I know exactly who she is, but I don't know her name at all. <laughs> well, Jim, I'll Venmo you sometime. <laughs> hey, this is a great time to plug Patreon. If you want to support us, you can help get me out of debt with Jim. $15 for at least one month. $15, <laughs> little man. Put that shit in my hand. If that money doesn't show, then yo, yo, yo. Oh, come on. What? Said it all fast, like. Because I'm trying to get back to. <laughs> well, okay, that's fine. Jake can derail all he wants. I've but already referenced Brian's that like... film. If you don't mind, I referenced that film 20 minutes ago cool. with Ben fine. Affleck with Bombing Phantoms, yo. So if you want, pick another Kevin Smith movie and reference <laughs> that one. Stepping on my toes, boy. Hey, Brian. Why don't you cosplay as, uh, as Silent Bob over here for a little bit? Just talking about like some heartbreak you had later on in the movie. Silent Bob, got it. Spot on. I feel like that's actually a pretty good comparison of Brian and my relationship would be Jay and Silent Bob. Yep, proved it. <laughs> All right, back to Creepy Stew with dead Linnea Quigley. So she's dead, and he's like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Want to tell me what happened here? And he laughs. <laughs> I really like how manic he gets. Super weird. And he like touches her arm and then Batfleck comes in and interrupts him, unfortunately. He's like, hey, why don't you come watch the hallway, right? <laughs> it's essentially like him telling the other cop to put your nose in a corner <laughs> and do nothing <laughs> at <Yeah>. all. <laughs> so they go to the next rooms and Batflex finds some things in one of the rooms. So he goes to get Dr. Nam, and this is where we see the writing on the mirror that is done in lipstick. And basically where we find out this, this isn't just some horror. This is some something more contrived is going on with his Dr. Flight's name and the ancient enemy. Well, in this, it's very straightforward. In the book, they're worried that Flight is like the suspect or the murderer or something like that. They take it as the person calling them the ancient enemy. But in this, it's very quick. But again, right. you're not doing that rambling, oh, let's figure this out. They don't have like the dueling timelines where you have Flight talking about selling his book in England and then this happening here. I really like the way that they just consolidated this and kept it moving. So they're trying to figure it out. The door's locked. There's no windows. So how did whatever get in here? And then you see Creepy Stew in the hallway with the other officer and they hear uh, like keys rattling, like metal rattling. And all of a sudden, there's a big pile of metal objects on the bed. And so they all come in and they're looking at it. There's like, there's teeth, there's a pacemaker. The uh, Dr. Nam looks at it. Do you guys take this as essentially the being taunting them? It has to be, right? That's, I mean, I kind of get it. That's the idea, especially later on in the film where it just is like, I'm the all knowing God that can control everything. So. I don't know. That's what the book does go through. Like the creature does taunt them the whole time and scares them, talks with them more. Like starting with the phone call, it does like sounds of all the different animals that it's ingested yeah. and then it goes into like a person. So it's it's doing all this stuff, showing them like what it is kind of. And yeah, in the book, they come across a pile of metal just the same. I imagine. And that's like, where they come across with the bullets too. 
I imagine like an ancient being like Stuart from Mad TV and it's going, look what I can do. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. (laughs) And they're like, wow, that's really cool. Great for you. You can't eat metal. But in the book, it's kind of presented like, oh, it's the mystery. Like, what is this? In the movie, it basically comes across as like, look, you ain't shit. Like all of your worldly possessions don't mean anything. Right. But you have to kind of look at it as the creature is a child when it's been living for this long and it's only come across humans with the brain capacity of language and all that for a very short time. Super short. So this is basically him getting consciousness and being like, hey, I can eat all these little people walking around. I am a god. And it's so that's kind of what it is, too. It is like this thing in an infant sort of way. God and its adolescence. Yeah, basically. Much. Yeah. Because this thing's been around since the dinosaurs. So th- this and the Pennywise creature are so similar, the way they're presented in terms of like living for eons, being shapeshifters, eating and hibernating. It's like a one-to-one parallel. And the thing that's frustrating here is I get that you want to keep them vague for the sense of mystery, but you lose what could be a very interesting psychological development if you would have stuff like, let's say, the ancient enemy eating a serial killer. And that's why it has that flair or this or that, because it's implied in the movie like, oh, yeah, it's because of, you know, it ate man. And that's what made it sinister. But they don't go far enough into that because right. they're trying to keep that's it cryptic. very vague. Not right. to mention it's just dropped at the end. Yeah, like, exactly. This is, this is what happened or that's why this exists. Right. And the book pushes that through a lot better. It a even talks better. about a uh, lot about where there hasn't been that many disappearances. But the book says, well, these things probably live in the water and there's been hundreds of species that have gone missing of like fish. Oh, that makes a lot more so, sense. So yeah, it talks a lot about stuff like that. So you could see like a timeline better as well. And it develops because in the terms of human disappearances, you're talking about a span of like 300 years. But when you factor in this thing's been alive for millions of years, 300 years is nothing. Right. I mean, so would it be like a far stretch to say maybe like, I mean, this is complete guess, but within the book, did the, does it, do they say anything about like Mariana's Trench or anything like that? Like, could it have come from that? Yes. They actually oh, wow. do mention it because it's like the deepest part of the That's ocean. neat. Yeah. I like it. And the fact that there are many of them. Yeah. They, they definitely say that they believe that there's more than just one of these things. So after all of the metal objects, they go back downstairs. They're looking for a guest in the guest book named Timothy Flight. And they turn around and there's a hand on the counter with lipstick, a severed hand. Because that's one of the things when it, they're in the, the bathroom, they no way that it exited. And they're like, well, where's the right. you know, lipstick that wrote it? And that's one of the things that is in the book. They it, like present the intrigue of like, she wrote it, but whatever took her or killed her didn't read it. So that's one of the things that like shows its development as it moves on because later it uses language. Right. Because in the book, they're not worried. The person who's dying, the woman, isn't worried about writing in lipstick because it's not going to see it or even know what to do with it. It doesn't erase it. It just kills her. So it's kind of an interesting point that the movie's just like, whatever. So they mentioned that this wasn't here like right now. Like it just appeared while we were here. They did the same thing with the, the with metal. The metal like, pieces, that wasn't there. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was something that they threw um, in there. Doesn't Uncle, uh, Uncle Creepy, doesn't <laughs> Deputy Creepy. Is there also, something you want to tell us, Brian? Right. <laughs> also, I don't want to talk about it. And also, if somebody's not getting invited to Thanksgiving. <laughs> Brian, why are you putting your shirt back on? That's weird. <laughs> this shirt will always stay off. Your nipples Thanks just got much. hard. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a Stephen this King got book. Dark. There you go. <laughs> no, but he actually says, hey, you want to see something cool? I and love that. She, oh, and she's yeah. like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag fuck no, bro. 
So after uh, music starts playing, and then oh, S- Stu actually starts whistling along with it. <laughs> Which again, the manic nature that he has—he's—he. Okay, we can all agree he he's seals the, the show, the whole thing. Yeah, he might chew the yeah. scenery a little bit, but I mean, given the fact he's playing a crazy character, he's the best. Right, and obviously, it's so hard to portray like what they do in the book because it shows him like slowly getting worse and worse. And this, he do- that happens, but it's just rushed and. There's not enough like impact, I guess. And also it helps the energy of the film by having him be manic. Because right. in the book, it's almost like he's like leaning back and petting his belly and like drooling by comparison. So yeah. they're all good. They hear some screams of help, a woman screaming, and officer number three runs out. Officer number three. That's pretty good. Pedo stash. <laughs> you have a name, sir. We haven't forgotten. <laughs> so something swoops down and grabs him. And only his boots and his gun are like remaining. I love right. the gun the, spinning. The spinning yeah. Gun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so cheesy. They all run back inside and Batfleck calls on the radio, apparently trying to get the feds here. He's like, send everything. He's like, send everybody from that base. Send that the base. National Guard. <laughs> well, and then again, in, in the book, not to just beat a dead horse and talk about it, but you know, he's talking about the only reason he even knows that this kind of secretive thing exists is because they went to a conference. And so they even do a good job of making it seem like he's, but at the same point in the movie, they do, you know, simplify it. He used to be FBI. That's how he knows we move on. In the book, it's interesting the way that they elaborate on it, but it's way too long, right, Jed? Yeah, because they talk about his back history. So in the movie, he's afraid to like use his gun or he got kicked out of the FBI, whatever, because he shot the kid in the closet with a toy gun. Yeah. He's Powell from Die Hard. But in the movie or in the book nothing like that happens he just has an incident with a criminal and he's kind of talking about how he's so happy he's never had to fire his gun and he doesn't think he could ever do it he was basically saved by someone else when he was supposed to shoot somebody and he kind of thinks of himself as a little bit of a coward yeah exactly to where he gets like oh i can shoot these things because they're he said not really people <laughs> he said pal and diehard isn't it uh lethal weapon isn't it a lethal weapon where he shoots a kid and he can't ever shoot his gun anymore it's officer pal Twinkies. Twinkies Ding the dongs. big. Yeah. You remember he pulls his gun That's, and saves his so life. So it's in both. It's in both in Die Hard and in Lethal Weapon, Danny uh, Danny Glover, yeah. Danny Glover shoots kid and then he doesn't ever use his gun. Toy gun, yeah. Huh. Just thought about that now. Die Hard ripped it off. Die Hard's 88 and then Lethal Weapon's 87. <laughs> there we go. If given a choice, I would watch Lethal Weapon over Die oh, Hard. Oh, for gun. sure. No. Nope. Chad? Oh. I'd watch Die Hard. Well, I mean, you kind of do look like Bruce Willis. <laughs> Same kill count, too. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Batfleck is calling in the feds, and the same creepy, distorted voice sound starts coming through the radio, and then it cuts off. They're like, whoa, we don't even know if anything went through. Oh, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> Creepy Stu chimes in. He's like, guess we're on our own. <laughs> and then they start, Batfleck and Stu start going at it again. And then Batfleck's like, me, me, me. And the other guy's like, shmeh. And then this is when the Mothman comes, right? Or not? Uh, <laughs> shortly thereafter, yeah. They start loading some more w- their weapons. I don't really understand this part because wouldn't their weapons already be loaded or were they loading more More weapons? weapons, yeah. Okay. This is the thing. You have 10 extra shotguns. They're loading them. Did they make it back to the sheriff's department? That's probably, I think that's what happened. They went back. That's, yeah. They're, they, they're, they're, they're that's back. when the moth comes. Right. So they're, so they're back in the, sher- the sheriff's Correct. Now, uh, in building. the book, it's presented as having one big window. In this, it's a bunch of little windows. It's not as creepy in this to me. It, like the idea, it's just a tiny fucking window. Like they shoot it, but like 
this is inarguably the slay of the game that comes after it. So like I'll give it some credit, but it's not as creepy. In the book, you know, you're juxtaposing like the desolation of the town behind this big figure. And they present the moth as being a bit bigger in the book. Yes, much bigger. And yeah. the whole thing is again, they start focusing on the development of the creature because after this kill, they keep talking about like it's the people that like aren't believing in the creature, like saying it's impossible. And so it starts killing like the people to show the to kind of make them believers of its power sort of a thing. And that's why he's only doing one at a time. Right. Because he's already done an entire town. So there's no question he could kill them all this time. Yeah. This is him being evil and exploring that. This is him showing himself and actually wanting him to be kind of feared and followed and stuff like that. Or her. This is her wanting to show she could be feared and respected. They refer to the creature as it for most of the book. Seriously, like 90% of it. 90% <laughs> of the book, it's it, it, it. And then they, you know, Stephen King wrote a book called It. So didn't come out till three years later. Bum, bum, bum. This is what's so still so confusing to me. Wh who's afraid of a moth and why is it now showing itself as a moth? Does it show itself as a moth because people are afraid of no. a giant moth? So it's not or is just it a moth. It is a moth-like creature. So this is something that's just... What's, what's making it want this to be this? This is a creature it previously died digested from like prehistoric the mesozoic age. era or whatever. right so it's, so it just got bored and was like this is what else i can do instead of being like well i'm gonna be a t-rex yeah it could kind of permanence yeah right it could turn into like whatever it wants kind of a why thing. the fuck didn't it turn into a t-rex why not flight well, it's more maneuverable shot. yeah because in the book it, it this is the way that it flies around the room is awesome it's just like the book yeah they, they they're freaking out and flailing around and shooting everywhere and it's lift and wargle up it's awesome they, yeah, they refer to it as like being so fast, picking him up and dissolving his face with no time at all. And they're like, nothing could ever be that fast. Well, and he also rips him out of the room. Right. So it even goes outside. So they have to like follow and they find this head where there's no face, no brain, nothing. It's empty. No eyes. Yeah. That's so cool. rad. It's That's super gnar. I wish they would have gone into a little more detail as far as his face. Oh, when yeah. When she's like inspecting it, she's like, wow, it doesn't even have a the brain or face or anything. I'm like, show me the fucking close up. And nothing show happened. me the gore. <laughs> nothing. Well, they showed Damn his it. face. It's right. well, yeah, it's just like a, a wounded face. It looks like Uncle Frank. Right. It's like, it's like more like an off to the side shot right. than anything. Give me the money shot. So, <laughs> I'll give you the money shot. <laughs> Basically, we got the whole killing thing down. So it flapped at the windows and they shot out the windows and thought they killed it. And then it flies in, <laughs> takes the guy's face off, flies him around the room. Face. They they shot so many goddamn bullets. I'm, I'm yeah. All of the rounds that they just loaded up into the guns, fucking gone. Yeah. Right. They even comments like I shot him thirty times. It's like no, you didn't. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. I it counted. Was, it was gone after like two seconds, and they shot just, for like. Might have just grazed seconds. the tip. <laughs> so this is so after it kills him and it leaves, they board up the window, and this is where you get one of the weird lines from board. She, so she's, fucking random. Yeah, she has like the most she says, like, random things ever. Says it wanted the deputy first because it wants men like him most of all. Yeah, it's weird, and I think she's talking about how he's like creepy. It's compounding, evil. right? It's so exactly. weird. It just uh, it just came out so strange. Yeah, though. in the book, she kind of has the best insight into the creature. Yeah, where she talks about you know what it's doing, why it's 
what she thinks it's feeling and stuff like that. She comes up with all the theories, right. like a traveling through the sewers and everything. That's all the doctor. Right. So, and so he's that cop, uh, creepy cop is the one that's like, this is stupid. This is just some people. This isn't anything special. And that's why he gets killed. And she's like, it killed him because he wasn't believing. This is where some fun back. This oh, is where okay. some fun backstory within the film would be nice. Exactly. Right. Right. So yeah, this is the this is the line that I got. It almost got Lisa. No, it wanted Deputy Wargle first. It wants men like him most of all. What do you mean it wants men like him? Well, it's the devil, don't you think? Come up from hell tonight. I think he wants to dance with us. And this what is. The fuck? <laughs> would you like? Would you like Have my you line the in my in the notes? <laughs> okay, Little Miss the Joker. Yeah, <laughs> 1989 called. Do you want to dance? Do you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I was like, what the fuck is this? Are you suddenly a noir film? Like, yep. mm. None of that is in the book. The reason why the book works is that they're basically all just trying to figure everything out. And it's a lot of conversation. And they kind of just go through each piece that they find. That's where they discover the metal. They shoot the creature so many times. They're like, oh, they find the bullets. Oh, it spits out all the metal because they actually hit it. Stuff like that. You think this was like Dean Koontz trying to inject some of that, but it just came <laughs> off horribly wrong. I think that this is him trying to write a movie and yeah. not writing what people actually talk like. I think in his head, he's sitting at his like typewriter with this smarmy, shit-eating grin being like, this is so rad. She's going to say this and people can be like, whoa. It was <laughs> at this point that I literally text Jake and was like, the, the writing in this is fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You'll have no argument for me. <laughs> Stephen King can't write a fucking screenplay to save his life either. It's a different medium for oh, a reason. Yeah, definitely. So after all that happens, we cut to the city and we're at Wide World News. The FBI is coming to talk to Dr. Flight, who's running basically a tabloid uh, with crazy, crazy stories in it. Such as the world will evaporate by 1999. Right. Uh -oh. oh, fuck. It's, <laughs> we're late. We're 20 years late. <laughs> Isn't it disgusting to think that was 20 years ago? Yeah. How old do you feel now? Oldest. I'm older than dog. all of you. Shut up. <laughs> You're going to die. You're going to evaporate, dog. Yeah. So the FBI are asking him about the ancient enemy that we saw written in Lipstick on the Mirror. And they basically tell him that you have to come with us. It's a matter of national security. Come with me if you want to live. I kind of wish that they showed like the FBI or whatever trying anything else to show like because the way that this is presented, they just go to the fucking crazy guy. Right. In the book, like he's he wrote this thing 20 years ago that's like brilliantly describes it all. So it's like he was the expert. But now this guy has such a track record of being like a lousy shit that you would just throw it off at the bathwater. So I like the idea yeah. like, oh, we, we went to a fucking Swami. We went to a Sherpa. We asked all these people. The Dalai Lama doesn't know, but he sure can text or tweet a lot. <laughs> Yes, because in the book, he is a professor that wrote this as like part of his professor whatever stuff. And then he just stopped teaching. So that's it. It's not like he's a crazy person. And now we cut back to the sheriff's office and everybody's holed up there and uh, they put all the body bags in another room. So they kind of cut from the room where they're they're sitting and talking and they, there's a cut to the body bags in the room and there's like water dripping and back to them talking. This is where we find out that Batfleck went to Harvard and the FBI. So why is he in this town? We learn about the kid in the closet with a toy gun. He carries around a picture of the boy. Creepy. <laughs> he deserves to be remembered. With holes. Sorry. 
<laughs> oh, not cool. Dude, you adding the plural makes it so much worse. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking of like the cure song killing an Arab based on the stranger where it's like, he shoots him once, eh, he has a defense. Shoots him five more times. <laughs> yeah, because he's talking about the holes from shooting him. Mm. Ew, what the fuck, Brian? Dude, put your shirt back on. The uncle joke was like 20 minutes ago. I what was referencing fuck? something Chad was saying. Did you mean it to mean porous holes that are moist for the picking <laughs> no see nobody what? thought that dude but jim did you think that no as soon as i saw his face i knew that's where it was going dude brian <laughs> come on who's your health insurance provider we're gonna find you a counselor <laughs> why am i the bad guy in the room now you're talking about porous and like gelatinous <laughs> holes from little boys oh. <laughs> in a closet that was r kelly man <laughs> yeah, not Brian at all. Oh. Different guy, dude. <laughs> I get Brian and R. Kelly confused all the time. <laughs> so back to that fucking board. Board asks back like, to escort her to the bathroom. So he goes in and checks it out. And then they cut back to the body bags and the water dripping more. And then board takes out a cigarette and drops it into the sink. And there's some sound coming from the sink. <gasps> and so she <laughs> she's looking in. And she hears a toilet flush. So she turns around and gets all tense, seen to opening the stall. And there's no one there. I got to tell you, I feel like that was the scariest part of this film so far. He clearly checks every single stall. She's by herself. They cut to the, the sink very up close. You're paying attention to the sink. You hear a little bit of the sound. All of a sudden, you hear the toilet flush. To me, I was like, that, I would be fucking freaking out, right? Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty good point. This is the most horror thing we see because the moth thing is very sci-fi action. Right, exactly. This is something that fucks with your brain. Right. Suspense. Yeah, yeah so af after she opens it, and there's nothing there, and then she closes it, and there's Creepy Stew. And he says, do you want to see something? And his eyes are black, and then he's like, you are so fucking cute. Oh, so cool. Yeah, really creepy. As she runs out, and Batfleck comes in and checks us all, and there's nothing there. So they go to the body bags. Body bags are empty and it's focusing on water dripping. And this is where the helicopter, they hear the helicopter and they all run outside. Right. So this part really kind of confused me because I feel like they just completely jumped to conclusion that some the bodies were disappearing into the water. Right. Because all of a sudden it shows Batfleck and the other one, not Alyssa Lano looking at the, the dripping water and then you could just see like the light bulb bing, and they're yeah. like, right. versus the book they're like how did it get through the vents like how could it climb up there and it's like not the vent it's because literally the last thing they think of versus right. the movie it's like oh naturally it means this <laughs> but also the way that it's presented in the book the water is just from the drain not from the digestion they yes. don't really go into that part of it which is not and the book the scene where they hear voices or they hear voices in the sink like someone's talking, which Multiple is times. very much like it. Yeah, it happens in this movie too when yeah. the, the guys in the white suits fuck the whiteies. <laughs> They're down there and whatever. Yes. This uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible yes. tells me so. I like that. I do like that. It's a hacky, it's hokey, but I just, something about a disembodied voice of a kid, I'm like, all right, I'll buy it. It's true. It would have been cool if it had to do something like one of the girls like growing up, like a childhood song or something be a little bit more personal but apparently it just sounds creepy and they're like yeah let's go with it kids well i mean the it killed an entire town it had kids and it had a church so yeah, yeah. 
Makes sense. Again, we knowing the people before we, they disappear has a benefit to it, but then you lose the complete mystery of it. Right. Right. So they all run outside and the helicopter just flies past them. It's like, fuck you guys. Fucking yeah. reconnaissance, huh? <laughs> yeah, Batfuck. He's like, it's it's infrared reconnaissance uh, imaging. Well, reconnaissance. I was in the FBI, so uh, <laughs> I'm just going to let you know that's just like reconnaissance mission, so don't waste your time. <laughs> so it flies past them, and then we cut to Dr. Flight on the plane with the FBI. It's actually kind of pretty funny. I uh, like this scene a lot, actually. They were, they're joking about, so Elvis, where is Elvis right? being kept? Like, <laughs> that, so that's good. a slippery one. Well, yeah, because he basically he's like, I'm essentially kidnapped. Is basically what he says. He's like, well, so last I checked, I have rights. So unless I'm I I'm detained, you you guys are basically kidnapping me. And they're like, nah, dude, we're totally having you help us find Elvis. <laughs> Which I think just the the sassiness of it all is very good because he thinks this is his like I got you moment. Like I, you know, I will be heard. I have rights. I'm just as American as you are. Nope. I wish they would have kept the feds within the rest of the movie. Ah, uh, they would have been great, right? Because they're they're that weird little comedic humor that I feel like they were missing for for sure. Definitely. And they're also likable, you know. Versus the people who die, I'm like, I don't care. Right, they all were, the white they, suits who died. Don't yeah, care. they were likable in the all five minutes of time they were in the film. Yeah, which says a lot about the rest of the film. <laughs> Next scene is we're back in town and the group is going to uh, get the in the police truck. Batflex says he wants to get them out of there. It doesn't start, obviously. Why would it? It's a horror movie. It can't start. So they open up the the engine. The engine's crushed. Which it doesn't look crushed. Yeah, it looks melted. It looks melted. melted. I was like, wait, what? Um, did they say crushed? Because <laughs> in my mind, they should have said melted. So yeah. And they hear a uh, woman screaming for help. For some reason, they go back inside, and then we cut back to Doctor Flight. And he's with the army this time. Yeah, it's so weird, right? He just teleports to being driven in a car. And right. you're like, whoa, who are you talking to? And why are you getting driven super fast like to where you need to be? Which I thought was kind of funny how he was like, are all your drivers stuntmen? <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's it's fun. It's like cheesy as fuck. But I guess it's kind of cool you're throwing in jokes. But whatever. It was pretty funny. But it, the, the driver's all erratic. The... the Editing and cuts were really dramatic too. It feels like a like a Monty Python sketch or something. It it's definitely feels so... like a different type of movie. Yeah, where you're like, wait, is this is this part the same movie? I don't I don't know what's going on. I wonder if it was added like maybe after. It even looks different. There there would be if it was added after it makes sense because they're talking about the ancient enemy, the mysterious disappearances. So you have the the Chinese in 1939, the eight thousand disappeared or whatever. Mayan cities and the colony of Ro- on Roanoke Island, and this is where we get the line from Doctor Flight, where he says, "Just he's asked, what is the ancient enemy?" And he says, "It's chaos, utter chaos. That's so cheesy. chaos in flesh. That so that's cheesy. what chaos. Well, that's what harking back. That's to the the god of um, Cthulhu, the ancient one. Yeah. So Nyarlathotep. So love. Yeah. Love the Lovecraft god is he's considered chaos, chaos in flesh, essentially. Yeah. Okay. And so I have to comment on something really quick. It cuts to the police station and Batfleck breaks into the vending machine and steals all of the <laughs> candy bars. And I have to ask you, what would Batman do? Would he have sold those? I don't think so. So clearly that's why Batfleck should never have been cast. And there you go. 
That I was expecting somebody to be like, well, Christian Bale played the machinist where he killed like a kid with his car. So he should. Or he was also a fucking crazy person in American Psycho. And Batman's a crazy he, person. I'm not worried about it. Batman would have bought the building, then broke into the vending machine. Exactly. <laughs> That's a pimp-ass move, dog. Oh, also, I've, I've been watching Titans. It's not terrible, but it does make me sleepy. I don't know so what that is. So it's not great? It's the DC, so it's Teen Titans, but it's like the edgy grown-up version. The oh. You might remember that the trailer has Robin in uh, Alley, and all the people were like, oh shit, it's Robin, so look out for Batman. So he beats the ever-loving fuck out of them and like cuts him up with the batarang. He's like, fuck Batman. Are Robin and Raven dating? No, she's a minor in this. Huh. Robin classically fucks Starfire on the rig. Huh. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Raven love Beast Boy? Don't they bang out? Like Basically. In the, at least yeah. in Titans too. And, you know, it changes a little bit. Yeah. There's also like five different Robins. So the, the current Robin is the best well, one. Fight me. Cartoon porn things that people create. The fan fiction porn thing where they... Oh, Rule 34. Maybe. Rule 34 of the internet is that there's porn of everything. And yeah, there's exist, definitely got to be something with Teen Titans, right? Oh, there is for sure. <laughs> Chad, you're like, you know, I definitely oh, know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, Robin has a bow staff. You know what he's doing. <laughs> Beast Boy's <laughs> like, <laughs> see where this trunk goes, girl. <laughs> just, I love doing this to Jim because he just breaks. <laughs> He doesn't laugh at us. He He's just so breaks. Red like, right ah, now. Nah. <laughs> You've looked at this, haven't you? That's no. why you're blushing. <laughs> <laughs> you're qui- the quietness just tells us everything. I watch it only because I'm an artist, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. I appreciate the artwork. <laughs> the shading. I'm learning shading. I need to learn to draw hands. The Who sl- cares if they're wrapped around a cock? I need to draw hands. <laughs> the size of them titties, though. <laughs> it's a great study on volume. <laughs> I like yep, it. There you go. <laughs> More like Aseroth Metrion Zinthos, am I right? <laughs> Nobody. That's there's going to be like one DC Comics yeah. fan who's like, <laughs> <laughs> That's our one comic book fan, as evidenced by the terrible stats on Marvel Zombies 1 and 2. So I'm sorry. Next scene, we have the army is like rolling into town. They're big old. Mobile lab. Big old futuristic Humvees <laughs> that look like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck they're supposed to be. They they almost look like a uh, Winnebago, but with like armor plating. Anybody? No? No, it does. I'm, a, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> we have the commander talking to scientists. The scientists are all in their white future suits, hazmat suits, something like They look like, like guys from E.T. Yeah. Or the dudes from Evolution, which is a better movie than oh, this. Oh, so much better. Not better Love than E.T. Love that movie. Evolution is better than E.T. Not better than E.T. Yeah. Evolution is better than E.T. Hmm. Okay. I can prove it mathematically. E.T. is awful. (laughs) Also, how dare you? Did you know the kid who played Elliot plays Jack Torrance in Dr. Sleep? Really? Yep. Full circle. Make you feel old as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So E.T. should have touched his fucking noggin and cured him of his alcoholism. Am I right, dog? (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. E.T. shine on. <laughs> E.T. is it here, Mrs. Torrance? <laughs> <laughs> what a nice <laughs> crossover, man. I like it. I think I'm going to Photoshop that. I'll keep quiet for the next while you enjoy. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So the army is going about investigating. Well, they're scientists. They make a point to say that they're scientists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a science man. <laughs> 
<sighs> I like how one of the scenes they're like, let's investigate all of the different strange occurrences within the town. It shows them holding a little rady Geiger counter. Geiger, yeah, that thing over a fucking a blender going off. I and love it like, so much. They're looking at click, it like click, all click, perplexed. Click. Like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. And you're like, really? Somebody was making a shake and then they fucking disappeared. That's all there is to it. So, the, yeah, they're all they all spread out throughout the town and they're checking on things. They check the housekeeper from their house from the very beginning of the movie. They're in the church. The church is fucking cool. Yeah. The church. That, I mean, that's definitely one of my favorite parts of the movie. Right. Yeah, it's the second. Yeah, last not kill. only because it shows like a holy man dying or dead, but also because of the fucking dog. Yeah, so they they find more of the accumulation of metals, and this is where Doctor Flight suggests that it's undigested remains. So all the stuff that was in people or people were wearing and stuff. Right, like which that. makes sense because Nautilus and Milano had mentioned that oh, there was a pacemaker, pacemaker. and, and they're like, there's... I would have fucking never known that was a pacemaker. It looked like a metal plate. Right, I couldn't tell what it was. But there's golden teeth and, and stuff like that. Yeah, too. didn't they say something about like the Nazis? Yeah, like, it's they, a very yeah. weird comparison. Right. Yeah, that was weird. Like nobody got book, genocided here. Yeah, in the book they also talk about all the bullets that were there as well. That's actually the biggest emphasis, I yeah, think. Yeah, because they're like jewelry. Because they're talking about where there's no bullets that like are hit on the walls or anything. So they're uh, hitting okay. what they're shooting. Yet there's no bullet casings anywhere that they could find or whatever. So when they actually find the big pile of metal, then there's the bullets as well. The bullets and they're like, oh, so they did hit something. They kind of went into that and in with like, oh, there's no blood. There's three casings and there's no blood and right, he should yeah, have hit yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if they if they would have showed the bullets in the movie, it would have gotten the point across. Right, exactly. Way more. So anyways, the group of white suits are checking out the house and they hear singing comes coming from the drain and the scientist guy's looking down and you get a shot from but from inside the drain in his face. Which is cool. Yeah, it was a cool shot. And then he gets black stuff in his face and he flies back. I was backwards. hoping it was going to be acid. I know, Anybody? something. I was thinking like Jurassic Park, acid to the face. Or yeah. alien. Eh. Yeah, alien as well. Uh, probably more so than dinosaurs. But it just turned out to be a fake out and it was black sludge. And I yeah, love that he's like, it's just sludge. It's just <laughs> shit on my face. <laughs> <laughs> My usually, wife does this every week. I was going to say, usually that's on Tuesdays. <laughs> this is where things start going night. wrong. Oh, God. <laughs> Chili Tuesday. Oh, um, the brown taco. <laughs> so we have uh, one of the sci- some of the scientists checking out a house, and there is, they're in a room with a dead guy in a bed and a bunch of demonic drawings all over the walls. I don't remember that from the book. Yeah, that was weird. Does anybody else think that that the guy, the dead guy, looked like Kane? Maybe the it was just wrestler. Be- yes, maybe because he was just a big bald dude. Maybe I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll definitely go back and rewatch this just for that. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. The dead guy comes alive, and we cut to uh, guys in the sewers hooking up power to get the lab on. They're trying to tap directly into the power. They get attacked by something and get dragged through the sewers and then we're back in the church and this is where the dog walks in through the front door yeah and nobody's concerned about a dog in a church i'd be like oh you know what? like i'm not a christian guy or whatever but i'd be like hey that dog shouldn't be in a church this is jesus's house right <laughs> <laughs> i like the way you said that <laughs> this is jesus's house <laughs> i think i, I think, think that's it what it is <laughs> or is this where the holy ghost lives or is this where the <laughs> 
No, never mind. <laughs> let's let's talk about Christian polytheism, shall we? I got what, lots of opinions. What does the dog represent, Jake? Uh, because it's, I guess, fauna. You would say that it's the pagan deities. <laughs> I like it. Very good. That's my. That's what I'm saying. I don't know that it's true. It's probably bullshit, but it sounds good. Which so, is actually how I make my money as an attorney. It sounds good. <laughs> so the scientist basically is like, oh, look at the little fucking dog. Come here, buddy. Why won't you come over here? Why I really want to pet you. Oh, man. It's like that, Anjik. <laughs> <laughs> That's when fights like, yeah, maybe you should not pet that dog because he has a, a slight hunch that maybe it's more than it seems. Yeah. And then this is where the dog's skin starts moving on his back. It starts rippling and it splits open. I think and, it's some pretty cool practical effects. Yeah, it looks pretty good. And then tentacles come out and start spearing fucking everything. The scientist in the face. In the face. Right. This is the very much of a ripoff of it. Yeah. Or and the then, thing. It, well, exactly. The because thing. The, thing. Oh, right. the dog. Then also, did it remind anybody else? I mean, obviously, this comes out after, but Spider-Man 2, when it's the scene with Dr. Octopus getting his tentacles removed, when I just stabbing people through the face oh, and barking yeah. them. What? That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Thanks. So yeah, it reminded me of the void, right? Where the creatures fucking first ends up using its tentacles to crawl across the ground and into the guy's stomach. Totally see that. Oh yeah. So good. Jim, you watched that, right? What was it? The void. Yes. Oh, it's so yeah. good. It's so good. So the alien tentacle dog kills all the scientists and then they uh, scientists start getting back up and the soldier just starts laying into them and shooting them the soldier dies right well it's it's funny how they show the the soldiers shoot the scientist the scientist kind of crumples over and you're like oh hey look you fucking killed one that's really cool and then it just stands back up and just fucking decimates him and it shows like the slow-mo of him like flying in the air like a like a fucking frisbee <laughs> and he just bounces off the walls and there's bullets ricocheting everywhere. It's kind of a crazy scene. I like it. It definitely ups the stakes. Like you can tell parts where it's like, oh, that's a lot of the budget. That's about 40% yeah, of that yeah, budget right yeah. there. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. But yeah, it, was, it was worth it because it's definitely, definitely memorable. Yeah, yeah, I think that they could have paced it a little bit better. Yeah. They oh, yeah. put something in the front. The worst part of it is when, he, when the creature actually stabs him in the face and then it pumps the ooze into him. It's doing like the big like, like, yeah, and it looks really stupid. Yeah. If they just stabbed him and that would have been fine. So after the the soldier gets killed, the Dr. Flight is the only one left with all of the tentacle scientists and they, one of them opens his mouth and just the descended voice comes out and says, do your research, write the gospel. And it looks so dumb. It does. Yeah. yeah. I felt like, like it would have been so dummy. much better if they would have just had somebody talking and then just edit the voice yep. into something else. Completely agree because it just comes across as like it looks like a Billy Big Mouth bass. Ah, it just yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, a lot of this stuff seems phony, but even more so here. And then over the next you know bit, you have the situation where Copperfield is there, and there's the two black puddles that appear out of nowhere up from underneath them that are CGI that look terrible, but it pierces his suit, and it, it's a cool that, little effect. That looks pretty cool. How yeah. he's getting stabbed in multiple areas. And they're like pulling it. It's great because it's a practical effect. It's obviously just a close up where they're pulling a fake tentacle through fabric, but it looks like it's pulsing through. Uh, I think he's actually some of the best effects because it shatters through his mask too, 
And so he pulls the glass from his mask I like, out of his mouth. I like mouth. the close-up of the mouth. Yeah. It was really cool. Obviously, it's 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 like a rubber prosthetic mouth. But you can it, with the close-up, you can see the stretching of the skin and everything, which I thought was really cool. And then he like spits blood and maggots into it. And then that's you know, in the book, it does offer a piece of itself for their study. And it does slightly do what they do in the book where it starts changing it changes from the maggots into a gecko but in the book it goes ballistic it's like uh you know a scorpion mantis spider you know pigeon. all of the things it's digested and it starts cycling and by the time it's about to die it cycles it's like boom 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 boom, boom. just dead because it's this desperation to try and escape so it shows that like some of the drones have their own sentience it's very interesting yeah we can get that Goddamn ancient enemy on the couch with Dr. Phil. I'd love to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell me about your father? <laughs> so after it spits the gecko out into its hand, it, and then it, it talks again, it says, My flesh, study it, write the gospel, but do not try to leave. Witness to the miracle. So it's more of his learning more of like this thing thinks it's a god and then they start to realize the whole idea of like what they refer to as the flatworm theory which is basically an idea where they fed flatworms that went through a maze to another flatworm and it suggests statistically it was more often than not but still not a huge probability that the other flatworm that ate the other one would choose the right way we're not talking about 100 accuracy but it's a fun little idea and i think that you know the idea of educational osmosis through eating is fine. The way it's talking right here kind of reminds me of something that like a fanatic would say or like a false prophet, somebody who's trying to lead a bunch of the masses into supposed eternity or eternal glory or whatever. So you have somebody like Jimbo Jones, right, who kills everybody by drinking uh, the Kool-Aid. The Kool-Aid yeah. You know, I can imagine like if it if, like killed some sort of zealot or, you know, false prophet that could have that kind of lingo, basically. Yeah, the in the book, there's the biker dude, and he basically like adds the pseudo-religion kind of talking about it being like a god, and he's going to, you think he's going to be the prophet, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's an actual devil worshiper, and he thinks that the creature is the actual devil, and so he's like worshiping it. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But the in the book, the creature also kind of talks about how it's it's eternal because it's never known anything close to death or anything. And so it's like, if you're part of me, you are eternal sort of a thing. So then you get that as well. Even in the movie, he says, only in me you can achieve immortality. Exactly. Right. That sounds like something a crazy person would say before he gives them cyanide. <laughs> or 50% of all religions. Oh, oh we all, went there. All people. <laughs> So they, they go into the lab and because Dr. Flight needs to analyze the flesh of the gecko. Lab stability is threatened. Lab stability is threatened. How is there that much reverb if the fucking truck is like five cubic feet? <laughs> what I what I think is great is how there's like all of these fucking screens everywhere and it looks all like advanced. And then you have this old school fucking keyboard. Like, <laughs> clickety clack, clickety clack, clickety clack. Well, this was from 1983. So at that time, like a computer, like this was a calculator. This was a word processor. So the idea that something that was made to scan bio, bio life or whatever is talking to them is like mind blowing. But by today's standards, I'm like, fuck, Siri talks to me all the time, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when you only one or two and she's listening. Mouthy broad. Always listening. So they're in the lab getting ready to analyze it. And this is where we get some info from 
Oh, it was after they analyze it. And Dr. Flights, this is, is like, this is the oldest living, living organism type of thing. Uh, He's and, convinced that it wiped out the dinosaurs. Yeah. He said it lives on Earth, comes up to feed every now and again. And until now, only a small portion of his victims have been human. So now it's started to like ramp up its acquisition of like intelligence because it, it started eating more humans. And this is where the computer screen comes on and it's, it's it. Is this, is it, sorry to interrupt. Is this where you have the fun little interaction? I have it written down here. All right. Enough. Enough. It's not a God. It's not a devil. It's just a fucking animal and any living thing can be killed. But this thing is what wiped out dinosaurs, which were pretty tough fucking customers. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much just like that. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> you said it with the exact correct inflection. <laughs> Probably so better. then they talk about Biosan 14 and he, they conveniently have it on the bus, which makes way more sense. The idea that the fucking enemy allows them to call and have stuff transported. It takes a long time. It doesn't make sense. They have it. Rather than doing spray guns, they use dart guns. Clearly, it's made out of fucking PVC pipe, and it looks faker than Peter Jackson's guns in bad taste. But what the <laughs> fuck ever? Do you, did you guys think it was funny how it was watching him grab the guns the entire time? And you're like, at any time, you can stop him. Yeah. Well, at well he knows time. that, which is but, kind of interesting. Yeah, because even in the book, it talks about it knows nothing of actual... Death like for weapons. itself, so it's like it would no, have they, no. It idea. knows it has weapons, like it's been shot at and all that. But he feels like, or it feels that there's never been anything to ever harm it in any way. So it's like, yeah, so it's just like, go what ahead would you care? And fucking flick me, yeah, yeah pretty much. Uh, did you guys like the dog with like the maggot CGI eyes? <laughs> yeah. CGI eyes. I thought that was pretty neat, actually. It was I, weird, but cool. What, I was telling the old significant other that. <laughs> One of the best things about this movie that I can tell up to date was when the dog basically walked up to him and and sat there like a good dog mm -hmm. and watched everything he was doing. I was like, wow, they at least taught a dog how to properly behave itself. So bravo. <laughs> so then Flight goes to the manhole and he's the one who lures it out by being like, if I'm supposed to talk about you, I got to see you. Gotta Which see is pretty thing. clever. Why not? In the book, it, it offers itself basically and the... the, the Form it seems to generally take. So there's like a warthog faced monster with horns, and then there's like a cobra with wings, like the two big forms that it takes most often, which, you know, it's interesting enough. So basically, he's trying to attack the nucleus. Now, it's way easier in the book because they're just using sprayers. So they're shooting water or, you know, the liquid all over it. Right. And as soon as they start hitting it, it starts to attack the whole thing. In this, the fact that it's centralized, I think, makes it a little bit more dynamic. But whatever, it's also a lot cheaper to animate. If you yeah, they straight. actually have no clue if they kill the thing in the book because it starts breaking off its pieces to get rid of the infection. And it basically then disappears without them knowing if they fully killed it. Because they don't know where the nucleus is. Right. And also, they don't know if there's more than one nucleus. There's a huge right. cave system underneath the city as well. And that's in one of like the caves is where the nucleus is. Because they talk about where it does have like a central brain. It even talks about its desire to go through back to the ocean. Yes. So I, I like to think that it escapes. But then I'm also the guy who thinks that there's at least one spider egg at the end of it. So I like the ending of this movie better than the book for that reason. Yeah, I can see that. I always love the end question mark. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the end and then the stupid gimmicky in every other fucking horror movie is kind of played out. Yeah. So then you go, it shows one person appear and the doctor's like, oh my God. 
And then all of a sudden, it fucking a million of them appear. Actually, not a million. It's like what the four thousand people that are in town. He's like pip pip. <laughs> <laughs> so they all they all mass together to create this giant entity, and that's when fucking Batfleck and Nautilus Milano pop out of nowhere. And fucking Luxio Team Six go right, blast blast. Like him. you didn't know how guns work twenty minutes ago. What the hell happened? <laughs> blast him a couple times. I can just imagine her just shooting off into the air. <laughs> <laughs> she shoots Ben Affleck in the back of the head, and he's like, <laughs> so it, it attacks. Oh, the, and then flight goes infected. <laughs> it, it it starts attacking everybody. Flips over a car, which I feel like is like fuck a, again. This, fuck you again, guys. Probably a good portion of their their budget went to this co- poor car yeah. that they probably got at the dump yard it ends up retreating back into the sewer system and then that's when they they run back inside Nautilus Milano and Board run away back into the to the is it the cop station? The, the sheriff's the sheriff station yeah. right because they're like fuck this shit too much stuff's going on and that's when Deputy Creepy appears again mm-hmm. right and he's like hey what's up I get myself a little two for one action here <laughs> I like it. Let's let's go ahead and do it, right? And when they empty their shotguns into them, they just keep going and going, and it's the I fall to pieces singing. Right. That whole scene just reminded me of Shaun of the Dead, where they just keep hitting. Yeah, Mary. Yeah, I can see that. I can see <laughs> that. It's just so overkill, but yeah, it's cute. And he even just adds the little things at the end. He was just like, "Ouch, that actually hurt a little bit." Well, it makes sense because he is the voice of the ancient enemy who feels like a basically a god. But I gotta say, the tentacles in this scene are the best in the movie. Oh, absolutely! They look rad. Yep. And basically, it's just wrapping a tentacle around something, pulling it off, and then playing it in reverse. Yeah. But it looks awesome. It looks They're good, yeah. disgusting. I liked his line when he first showed up too. He's like, "You wouldn't shoot an unarmed man, would you?" Yeah. And they talk to the guys. He's like, "That's a dumb question." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then he bellows, "What did you do to me?" As they he, shoot. The what did shit he all say? Over. Um, did you slip me a Mickey? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I. Would, I like you like, wish, Pervo. What's a Mickey? Oh, a roofie. <laughs> Got it. Oh, yeah. A Cosby, if you will. No. <laughs> Jello, no, you didn't. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Putting it where it doesn't belong. <laughs> oh, man. So he ends up crawling after them, and he says something about how low can you go as yeah, he's, he's like falling <laughs> underneath something it's so fucking good it's basically a head with tentacles just like faculty going back to another slash like faculty Marcus like uh, mars attacks yep yep so like the yeah. thing kind of yep right so they shoot into the ceiling right and then they climb into the attic i guess and that's when he climbs up there after him and she ends up taking the dart and fucking shooting him right in the face she puts it in the shotgun yeah. yeah, well, it yeah, explodes like right through at the it end, and splatters right? all over him. Yeah. yeah, so great. It's Nar. And so he dies. It's Nar. So then you have Batfleck, who's like, I need to fucking end this shit. I'm going to go back into the sewer and we're going to fucking fight. We're going to duke it out. So he goes down to the sewer and he gets to the nucleus. And does this remind you of Event Horizon at all? Yup. Okay. A lot you... of people online said so too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's like the creepy little kid the the girl she's like oh my god it's uh, it's my kid blah 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 total event horizon ish oh yeah so he's like oh so you're gonna shoot a kid again how fucking original he's like well i don't think so and he like backhands him with his fucking tentacle <laughs> bat flick goes flying and then he grabs the the 
little syringes, right? And he's like, oh, you're going to fucking shoot me with this shit? Fuck you. And he has a gun. He's like, well, I'm not going to shoot you. I'm going to miss on purpose, bitch. And then he shoots the syringes, right? He gets spritzed just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just enough. Just enough. But there's nothing saying the nucleus is in there. In the book, it like there's at least a suggestion the nucleus might be at the head of the snake or whatever. And it's like, why would the nucleus take the form of a little kid? Whatever. Yes. That gives you the ending that I like, so I'll take it. <laughs> or does it? Because it's not over yet. <laughs> so there's like a bunch of shrieking going throughout town, so it was basically just the thing dying or receding, yeah. whatever was happening to it. Dr. Fight miraculously lives... And he goes on to live a prosperous life and or career. He even acknowledges that the entity won because now he's going to talk about it, which is what it wanted in the first place. And he's on his talk show, which is on the at, at the bar. And then you have these two. Is it two women or is it no, a guy a, and a girl? It's a guy, guy and a girl. Guy and a girl. The girl's pretty, pretty foxy and the guy's not. So it was very weird when they were talking about. Do you believe that crap? Asks the old cowboy. I don't know, says the cowgirl. Stranger things have happened. Patty said Glenn was abducted by aliens. The cowboy scoffs. Glenn wasn't abducted by aliens. He run off to Los Angeles. And if you was married to Patty, you'd run too. A strange wheezing snicker is heard out of the other end of the bar. The other two look in that direction. And the girls ask, does that sound funny to you? Officer? Stu Wargle stifles his laughter and swallows one of the peanuts he's been eating with his beer. No, ma'am, he says with a mocking snicker. Then slyly adds, hey, you want to see something? <laughs> it's my dick. Mean, meanwhile, <laughs> <Zip> flop. <laughs> meanwhile, the ending of this movie probably had the best writing. Yeah, it's the best part. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's funny because I realized that two of the best things that Lee Schraber has ever acted in has been at a bar. When he plays Sabretooth, like carving the smiley face into the bar yeah. in Wolverine Origins, that's like amazing to me. And this is amazing. It's awesome. That's career highlights on a bar stool. Yeah. <laughs> the book ending is really dumb. Not even just with the killing of the ancient enemy. What happens in the book? There is a the serial killer that escapes and yeah. the biker. Yep. He, they are like worshiping the creature and they become homies. Why he's while the creature's dying, he's like, "Hey, go kill the people that attacked me and I'll protect you." And so they go like to the hospital and to shoot up all of them and of course that's when the cop like gets over his fear of killing someone because he saves the girl and shoots the bad guys. And also, he has a son that's been in a coma, so they're going to kill the son in that's a coma. When, yeah. Wow. That's yeah, when yeah. Danny Glover actually uses the revolver and kills somebody again. <laughs> yeah, basically. Right. And then <laughs> it's weird, too, because they start the, even the, the serial killer guy starts to think that it's not really a god because he gets like an infection and he's basically dying. So the whole thing is just odd and then it just ends. But the book is way more definitive that it's over versus the movie. I love the cliffhanger. I mean, it's super fun. They never had to make a sequel. My imagination did the whole sequel. You want to hear it? No, it's too late in the episode, Brian. Stop tempting me to ramble. <laughs> ramble. <laughs> All right, guys. This was a lot. Tragic. <laughs> you didn't even ask me. Yeah, I'd say tragic. Jad. Movie, yes. Tragic. Yeah, movie, tragic, book, classic. Yep, agreed. I think that the book, while misguided in parts, it's also like a game changer in a lot of ways, so I like it a lot. But yeah, this movie just doesn't do it right. And I could totally see somebody taking this source material and rocking it. Yeah. If you had the dude who did The Void do this, yeah. This yeah. could rule hard. Be really good. Just not good. I think the, the best part of the movie, too, is all the, the underlying 
like concept behind this this creature and the its ability like intelligence and and the bacteria and all that stuff is for me was the coolest part of the movie so it almost seems like it could be along the same lines as far as the remake of it too where you kind of get the history behind pennywise and you're like i want to know more about that (laughs) and not so much about any of this bullshit drama yeah Yeah. kid sex whoa the book. Calm down, Brian over there. Call Stephen King. Listen here, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> so that's the that's end all of getting the... edited out, anyways. Or is it? <laughs> okay. If I remember it to, sure. <laughs> and then the <laughs> so guys, say goodbye, so I don't have to edit any more of you talking. If you ain't watching and dying, you ain't really trying. Enjoy killing time until next week. Beep beep, fuck boys. And for Chad, Brian, Jim, and myself, my name is Jake. Reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. Does it sound masturbatory if I admit that while editing this episode, I laughed out loud multiple times? That was a fun one. And speaking of fun ones, we have an awesome hidden track by an awesome young man named Kyle West, who is clever enough to dub himself DJ K-W-E-S-T, Quest. It's smart, right? I dig it. His SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash D-J-K-W-E-S-T-Y. DJ Quest in the he-z from Toronto, Canada. He has a bunch of really fun remixes, my personal favorite being Blue. Now, he has an album, Flip Volume 2, that's out now. And basically, rather than have me peddle his merch or tour dates or anything like that, He just wanted me to extend to you as fans, followers, listeners, to reach out to him and be participatory because he'd rather have you as friends than just fans. And that is fucking cool. That is exactly what we want to do and the exact type of people we want to support with the Hidden Tracks project, which can be a thankless chore at times. But Kyle was awesome, got me everything I needed, a bunch of detailed information, gave me options about what songs I wanted. So please go check him out. Like I said, there's the SoundCloud. There's also I underscore am underscore quest music on Instagram. Please give him a follow and let him know how you found him. Strictly a Death is that state in which one exists only in the memory of others. Which is why it is not an end. Strictly a temporary. Strictly a temporary condition.
Strictly a temporary. 